Hey, if you're invested in the Las Vegas mayoral race, and really, we should all be, you're going to want to check out the Nevada Independent Mayoral Forum on Wednesday, May 15th at the Fountain Blue. The Indy CEO, John Ralston, will be moderating a live panel with the three frontrunners. You know, it could get spicy, so don't miss it. Tickets are available at thenevadaindependent.com slash events. And as a bonus for CityCast Las Vegas members, we've got two pairs of tickets we're giving away tonight. So make sure to join at membership.citycast.fm if you haven't already. It's been a week of weird weather, typical Vegas, all the seasons in like 48 hours. So I hope you've all been safe and warm and dry. And now it's Friday, so cozy on up for our roundup of the news. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with co-host Sarah Lohman and producer Layla Muhammad. And we're going to be talking about a so-called missing murderer in the news, our rising gas bills, and Christina Aguilera's swanky new Vegas Airbnb promotion. Yeah, you could rent it out. It's Friday, February 23rd. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Sarah and Layla, welcome to the Friday News Roundup. Hi, David. Good morning. All right. Um... There was a big old headline, missing murderer. Layla, what do we know about this uh, TV news broadcast? Yes. So I have to start chronologically because that's the easiest way for me to follow it. Um, this started in June 1996. Jeremy Kelly, who is now 43, when he was 15, he was arrested for the shooting death of Terry Dixon. Um, mm-hmm. At the time of the arrest, Kelly was with the victim's son in his stolen car. So allegedly with three other men, they conspired to rob Dixon, but they shot and killed him instead. Um, they and they then, conspired to rob the the dad. I think it was the son and a bunch of his uh, yeah, also teenage friends. Exactly. The son and those three men. Mm-hmm. Or the it says three men in the reporting, but maybe well, they sure. were teenagers. I think they were. Um, so in 1999, the judge sentenced him to two consecutive life terms with the possibility of parole. And then in 2016, he was at the High Desert State Prison outside of Las Vegas when he was granted parole. Um, not too long after that, he violated parole by driving around with a gun and drugs and mm. like a whole bunch of cash. So he went back into custody and then was charged in federal court and moved to federal custody where he pled guilty to a felon with possession of a firearm. And so the federal judge sentenced him to 42 months and then he was released from federal custody June 2022. And this is where... He goes missing because he was supposed to be transferred to state prison for violating his probation, but he was released from federal custody. Mm. Um, And since 2022, NDOC, Nevada Department of Corrections records show him still in out-of-state confinement, even though he was released in 2022. And so... They realize that he's missing in December because his parole is coming up January 30th. Uh, And 8 News now got their hands on court documents from a prosecutor that I thought was 
kind of put things into perspective, the Bureau of Prisons, um, which David, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe is federal, Yes. previously contacted the Clark County Detention Center about Kelly's designation. And the detention center said that they did not need him back. But the Bureau of Prisons did not contact Nevada Department of Corrections. And yep. the Nevada Department of Corrections did not place a hold with the Bureau of Prisons for Kelly. Oh, so so that, much technicality. Exactly. So that's kind of all where like the system's kind of failed to communicate. And this guy was released when he was really supposed to be transferred to state prison. Um, I meant to say so much red tape. <laughs> exactly. It's It seems like a bureaucratic nightmare. So, OK, that did help me clarify at the end. He was supposed to get transferred back to a state prison, but instead there was a mistake made and he was released instead. And To the street. Unsurprisingly, he was like, OK, bye. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows if he even knew. Yeah, uh, exactly. But and, and Layla, it's not suggested that he committed any new crimes during that period when he was released from federal custody before he was brought back to the Nevada Department of Corrections, is there? Yeah, no, um, not from what I've seen. It just says he was missing. And so to bring it up to now, a judge issued a warrant for Kelly's arrest on January 25th. And Metro just arrested him on February 16th. They mm. found him from a license plate tip reader or a license plate reader to flagging a suspicious car. Yeah, they they do that. People should know that um, even if you're not committing any violation of any traffic law, sometimes the police are just scanning your uh, license plate to see if it hits anyway. Yeah, what makes a car suspicious? What doesn't make a car suspicious? Come on. Yeah, they didn't give... It was very, very vague, very vague. They just said it flagged the car for being suspicious. Yes, mm. it has four wheels and it's being driven. <laughs> yeah, they so... do it all the time. I mean, if I think if, if if I've been, you know, I've done drive-alongs and stuff like that. Sometimes, mm. if a police officer is just bored in traffic, they just start running license plates. That's my understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my question was if he knew he was supposed to be transferred because nothing indicates that he would know, and he kind of took advantage of the system failing. But David, do you have any um, insight, maybe, on if he knew and kind of skirted the system because they didn't transfer him and instead released him? I'm not going to second guess it. I mean, here's the deal. He did a crime when he was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. He did about 17 years for that crime. Uh, I don't think he was accused of being the actual shooter, uh, but he was convicted of one of those um, felony murder rules that we have here or maybe through the conspiracy. In other words, all those charges that you listed off were all that one incident. Mm -hmm. um, and then once he was released, he got busted with having a gun and drugs, which you can't have. Uh, as a felon, for sure. Mm -mm. And instead of, you know, just being a parole violation where he went back into the prison and they dealt with him that way because he's still looking at a possible life sentence in there, um, the federal prosecutors picked it up, which is another weird thing for another weird day. Uh, and he did time on federal charges, even though, you know, the state could have handled that as well. Anyway, he did his time uh, for those federal charges, you know, and then he got released. Yeah. And this is not his fault. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what he's still facing is a hearing in front of a parole board to determine whether or not, uh, you know, at this point in time, he should be released back to the streets again or if he mm. should stay in on those original uh, murder charges going back to when he was 15 years old. Mm. Anyway, I, I mean... Here's what my beef of the whole thing is, like the banner headline, missing murderer. I mean, yeah. it definitely makes this guy sound like he's creeping around through backyards with a knife with a penchant for blood. I mean, uh, is this how the media coverage of the story framed the narrative to you guys, too? 
this is a bureaucratic mistake and it's really like effing this guy over. And it just is another thing we bring up on this show that I'm just like, oh, this this just really sucks for this person. And that he's also getting framed this way instead of being allowed to live his life. You know, he did his time. He was released. It was a mistake. He was released. But that's not on him. And he's, if he's, you know, he hasn't been p- picked up until this point because he's been continuing to be a law-abiding citizen, we assume. But whatever, this is how the media, you know, has been framing these things for at least 20 years, right? You want clicks even before clicks existed. You wanted that that local news attention. And so it always turns stories into like just a really grossly framed narrative, I think. Yeah. I mean, I saw it on on social media being Mm. rebroadcast in a lot of different ways. Layla, did you did you catch this story? Yeah, I it definitely came across um, my feed as like missing murderer. And I clicked on it because of that, like kind of sensationalistic headline. And I mean, if we're going by SPJ, Society of Professional Journalism guidelines, does that minimize harm? Is that kind of leaning into the curiosity too much of Mm. like, ooh, there's a missing murderer on the loose in Las Vegas. Oh, my gosh. Like, we're all not safe. It definitely wanted to be clicked, you know, like 8 News Now definitely wanted their headline to be clicked. Yeah. yeah. But is it inaccurate? I mean, he is a missing murderer. He was missing from jail and he was convicted for murder. Yeah, sounds like I guess he's it, an accomplice to a murder, not the actual. Well, murderer. but he was convicted. I mean, yeah. that's the pushback. And, and I guess missing murderer with its alliterative uh, allure, uh, you know, is a lot easier to say than uh, a person who, when he was a juvenile, was convicted under a felony murder theory for a robbery that went sideways. Yeah. Um, you know, and who and, and you know, subhead. Uh, who likely was not the shooter. Exactly. A subhead subhead who likely didn't actually kill someone, but was around during the time when somebody was killed, so they have some responsibility. I'll tell you, back then in the 90s when these things were happening, the laws were even more uh, uh, punishment-oriented. So he got more Mm -hmm. time then than he would have now, but now he's in his 40s, you know? I mean, what do you think that this media furor, uh, when these kind of stories hit, tells us about our attitudes towards... People who have been convicted of a crime. I mean, this guy definitely was convicted of a crime, and that crime was definitely called murder, first degree. But Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, but he was a minor. um, And, you know, I think that this country honestly has a really terrible attitude towards um, convicted criminals. And I wonder, too, if some of that comes from the fact that many, many prisons are for profit at this point. So we get a so if we keep the sort of public attitude about that these are bad people, then they stay in jail and that lets a, a few make a lot of money. Um, but I find it really upsetting in what is supposed to be, you know, a majority Christian country that we're not very forgiving or very Christian, quote unquote, when it comes to people who have committed crimes in the past. You know, where is the idea of like, OK, this person has served their sentence. They should now be released in society and have the same rights as everybody else, voting included. You know, and where, too, is the support within prisons to to actually rehabilitate someone and give them um, a pathway? You know, they're very, very few and far between. So I would love it if we both provided and embraced the idea of um, that this isn't just punishment, that this is hopefully, uh, I mean, they're called correctional facilities, right? That mm-hmm. this is a place where someone can change their life. Um, but people don't like to to give second chances. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, Sarah. And it's also kind of like we lump them together because in the reporting, what's mentioned at the very bottom of all the articles that I've read is in 2022, a different convicted murderer escaped from Southern Desert Correctional Center, which is not what happened to Kelly, but they're kind of just lumping it together and mending that with this, even though they're very different cases. Yeah, I mean, it's a newsworthy story because the system, which I might not agree with uh, at how it works, broke down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody who technically is supposed to be in a facility right now is not. Uh, it's just the hype of like labeling him the murderer, yeah. Yeah. which, again, technically has merit. But is it a way that will ever advance the conversations that we need to have about our carceral system? Mm. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, hopefully all will sort out for him and uh, he'll have his parole hearing and they'll figure it out. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas' most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part the net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. Totally changing gears and fuel. Uh-huh. Um, gas bills, they've been going up. Sarah, what's happening with uh, Southwest Gas in our community? Yeah, I mean, the story in some ways are, is pretty simple. The gas bills are too damn high. <laughs> so there was a protest earlier this week in front of the headquarters of Southwest Gas um, because, I mean, just talking to some of the people there, one woman said her bill went from $66 a month to $198 a month. Another woman said it went from about $60 a month to $278 a month. The second woman, she's on Social Security. You know, she's, she's elderly. She's on a fixed income. And basically she's saying, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to have to turn off my gas because I make the same amount of money every month. This is a fixed income and, I, and, I, and every penny has to be accounted for. So I can't handle a hike that large. For the most part, it seems on average, people's gas bills have increased by 50 percent, which is a lot. Some people are saying, you know, my winter heating and hot water bill has been as high as my summer air conditioning bill. So is there there a reason that um, Southwest Gas is giving to justify uh, this seemingly out of the blue hike hike? Yeah, they've got a whole, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, a whole bullshitty webpage about it that you can go to (laughs) that says what you need to know. And it says there are too many factors that could be affecting your bill this season. Changes in usage. Have you're using more gas? And several times it's like, well, you're probably using more gas. 
And then the second reason is changes in the cost of gas. So it is saying that the cost of gas has increased 75% over the past two years. It's also, but they're also saying, oh, but the gas prices are going down. But then you scroll down and it says, well, if gas is going down, why is my bill not going down? And it says to protect our customers from experiencing dramatic changes in costs, pricing changes are gradually reflected in customers' bills over time. So sure, they say gas is expensive, but also uh, it was pointed out that the execs at Southwest make a million dollars a year or more. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, and it doesn't seem very gradual where people are being hit with something year over year that is like, it sounds like in some cases triple. Exactly. Yeah, no, not at all. Month to month, my gas bill went up $100. <gasps> wow. That's nuts. And when you get hit with an unexpected bill like that, if you are elderly or if you're hovering around the poverty line, that is one thing that will send you shooting below that poverty line and seeking other services. We've seen some of the protesters uh, are coming from areas that are typically viewed as middle class or even wealthy parts of town. And, you know, as we know, uh, poverty is not limited to any specific area. But those are the folks that seem to, you know, be out there with the protests the the largest. Why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, certainly people who are suffering from poverty in our community uh, are impacted by this as well. Um, Well, it seems like, at least in terms of the protesters, these are a lot of elderly people. And so, you know, they often have the most sort of tenuous hold. They might own their house, but if you have gas bills that are shooting up, you really can't afford that. But even, you know, currently in our country, being middle class, we have a shrinking middle class, right? You know, in my history, I have been up uh, and down over the poverty line. I still consider myself middle class, but like, you know, being single, being on my own, being a creator, you know, something like suddenly getting a $278 gas bill when you're expecting 60, Mm -hmm. you know, that can really, and then if, you know, if you're a tenant, can you then pay your rent? It just sort of compounds. So certainly while we're looking at an area that might be upper class, might be family oriented, you know, we're also looking at a country where a lot of people are having trouble keeping it together. I mean, Our grocery bills are some of the most expensive in the country on top of it. So what is going to give here? And then when you call Southwest Gas, or in my case, Envy Energy, when my energy bill hiked up last summer, um, they tell you, oh, it's because of your usage. Like you're just using more gas or using more energy or electricity. And that's that's just ridiculous. I don't know. Maybe we're just dumb dumbs (laughs) and we don't know how to use power here. Maybe. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we also are getting this messaging from the federal government that we should, you know, get rid of gas altogether. They don't, they don't seem to like it either. Uh, you know, pollution, health, safety, et cetera. Yeah. They're telling people to get rid of their gas stoves. I mean, is it time for us to break up with gas? Yeah, I think so. I think that'd be great. California's already putting <laughs> okay. it in motion, and by 2030, they're yeah. supposed to be getting rid of all commercial and natural gas usage. Well, Sarah, yeah. you're a, you're a foodie, foodie. I mean, yeah, yeah. You got the bona fides. You know that there are friends and colleagues of yours who are going to be like, gas oh my cooking God, I've heard it already. is the best. Yeah, it has to be gas, right? Listen, I grew up with an electric stove. And when I moved into my first apartment with a shitty gas stove, because they're not all high-powered restaurant ranges out there. If you live at a rental, your gas stove has two settings, off and everything's on fire. (laughs) So, like, I've never been, like, a huge fan of gas. I understand that it's really important in some contexts. Like, um, you know, it's really hard in a restaurant setting to get walks at the heat that they need to be without a really, really high gas burner. So Mm. there are possible exceptions. But as far as residential use... I know I'm going to get a lot of flack from this. And you know what, foodie community, phone number is in the show notes. Bring it. I'm curious what you have to say, because I grew up cooking on electric. 
David, you know that I cook over an open fire all the time. Yeah, so you do. for me, it's one of these things where it's not like the tools, it's the cook. So you can really be a good cook on everything. And honestly, to get rid of gas, to get rid of fracking, to get rid of the human and environmental impacts, you know, to get rid of these incredibly high bills, like let's mm-hmm. do it. You know, I if I own my home, I would absolutely have solar panels on the roof and call it a day. Yeah, we wound up cutting the gas line. Uh, it was only servicing our furnace, mm-hmm. and then our furnace blew, uh, and we had to replace it. And we went with a different electric system, and yeah. ultimately, we wound up um, saving a little bit of money. I mean, it was a big investment, uh, but it wasn't really noticeable that our gas is gone, and I'm kind of glad it is. Yeah. yeah, at this point, it's just my hot water heater and my stove, and, you know, induction or convection burners are out there, electric hot water, solar water heaters are out there. Like, let's do it. Come on, government. Support us, state, federal government. Like, you know, we're over it. We're over petrochemicals and natural <sighs> gas. Yeah, and cooking with gas emits like a lot of dangerous levels of benzene, which is a carcinogen, into the household air. And I know living with roommates, sometimes, and this is really bad, but sometimes someone will leave it on. And we have cats. Yes. So that is like the most terrifying thing. And I actually miss my electric stove that I had at my apartment. I feel like it was a lot safer. And coming yeah. from the perspective of a bad cook, it's hard to cook on any <laughs> surface. So whether it's fire um, or electric, it's you're going to burn your food if you're a bad cook anyway. Uh, my stove always kind of smells like gas, too, and it freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Like, not enough that I'm, like, calling the fire department, but it, I'm always... And, like, my nightmare is, with, of course, a gas burner, like, what if the ignition dies and you turn out a burner and it's just blasting gas out, right, without a flame? I, it, is it worth it for the average consumer? No. You know, the the few who have enough time in their life to think about their need for a gas, a high power gas stove in their home probably also have the money to afford Mm -hmm. it. So let's get some better options out there for everybody else. Ugh. Ugh. Science and and wisdom over gut because people really don't want to get rid of their gas stoves. It it is a line in the sand that's going to, you know, decide who the next president is. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Last topic. This is a weirdo one. Um, There is a promotion that's floating around. It's Airbnb uh, in partnership with Christina Aguilera. Okay, who's doing her, you know, big burlesque show on the strip right now in a residency. Uh, And essentially, it's allowing people to they're not calling it a contest. In fact, they're saying it's specifically not a contest, but they're allowing people to book if they're lucky enough to get the booking that opened up yesterday, uh, an Airbnb that has the imprimatur of Christina Aguilara on it. And it's got a bunch of modern artwork, but you're also going to get a bunch of, like, Christina swag. Uh, You're going to get a burlesque lesson from her choreographer, and you're going to get her uh, sensual brand of products, whatever that might entail. Uh, I don't know if um, the Airbnb comes equipped with one Christina Aguilera or not. Uh, It's a very confusing promotion indeed. Uh, I don't know if it's meant more to promote Christina or to promote Airbnbs or people coming to Vegas. Oh, this is Christina making a bundle of money. So good for you, girl. Yeah, that's a great brand deal. I couldn't even figure out if there was a fee and they're being very secretive about where it's located, although it seems to be in Henderson. But it has a, it's a big condo that's like, I think, about 3,000 square feet or so, uh, and it overlooks the Strip. It's just a wild, 
wild promotion in a city that you know, has had its fair share of wild promotions. Yeah, I would love to know if, like, her Grammys are displayed in the house anywhere. Because Bruno Ooh. Mars, he just opened his jazz lounge. He has his Grammys displayed. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. I think that would be a cool yeah. feature. But you can't take pictures there. That was no, one thing from the you Pinky cannot. Ring Lounge, I think yeah. it's called, or something like that. Oh, she has you- a sexual wellness brand. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was... Was so, giving away. That's what I was alluding to. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm also looking at the listing while you're talking and, yeah. and to well, try and to I figure read, this out. I read the link about the, the promotion and it does not seem to be hers. It just seems to be like it's been done over with the essence of Christina, but it belongs <laughs> to a local couple. I actually yeah. went down my weird little wormhole and I'm not going to yeah. dox anybody, but it's a you know fairly prominent couple in town seem to own uh, a condo that they're allowing to be used for this uh, Airbnb not the essence i mean airbnb is like continuously trying to rebrand right cuz it's been getting rightfully a lot of shit recently that it's now more expensive than hotels and for a long time it's been pushing people out of housing blah 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 so i'm sure that this is just airbnb like found like the most glamorous looking vegas airbnb they could find and then paid christina aguilera a boatload of money to do this right okay so put a pin in that for a second sarah yeah. because i want to know specifically from you but I also want to hear from layla what you think about that space because you get a little preview into it is it worth anything to stay there um, I mean, it's not for me, David. <laughs> My first reaction was that a, it's pretty... I'm a person of simple needs. <laughs> I am. I, mean, I would say Layla's seen my house. Like, you know, I, I don't know. This is just not the lifestyle for me. So it is like marble everything and velvet everything else. I do like velvet, but it's like gray, green, and hot pink velvet. Um, and it's it's a lot of marble, a lot mm-hmm. of marble. <laughs> like That's a every, lot of marble. Every surface, it's kind of modernist. It feels very empty, but of course it's an Airbnb, but it's like, I actually don't see any art. I just see a lot of marble. And, wallpaper. and it's got these wall, they do have wallpaper, which is unusual when you're trying to make a space like neutral. I do dig the wallpaper. I don't know. They did use a fancy interior designer. I mean, the, the story uh, oh, talking like about a... this link was in, architectural friggin' digest. So I mean, I do really like that yellow and pink and white bathroom. I don't know. It's speaking to me with the checkered floor. It's a lot going on, but I like it. If that's not on their Airbnb listing, I haven't even seen it. I'm just looking at like the main rooms and there's huge windows that look out to the desert and an infinity pool. Like, you know what? It looks like a pool. Infinity pool. It looks like a rich person's Mm -hmm. house and otherwise has no personality. It looks like they paid someone to just put some furniture in it. I have one friend who's like a dot-com person and, you know, was a very young millionaire. This is what his house has always looked like. Everything but the gold uh, toilet. Yeah. You would would never pay. Like, they wouldn't do that. They would be like, this, yeah, it just looks like, well, I'm making this home for a rich person. It's got a little more personality than normal in the velvet. Um, I'm digging the pink. I'm going to be honest. It's not enough pink for me, but I like, like the little bedroom? touches of pink. You know, if this actually catches on, there might be a whole bunch of celebrity Airbnbs. So, uh, of course, that begs the question, uh, Sarah and Layla, uh, what would be the celebrity Airbnb of your dreams? Caveat, you, you can't take photos and you can't post anything to social media. Well, to make this worth it, it would have to be the celebrity greeting me at the door. But I would love, like, 
Britney Spears or Celine Dion mm. and just I only need a room. Oh, those are very different experiences. Layla. I mean, <laughs> either one of them, I'll take it. Either one. They can give me singing lessons. We can have a dance party. I just need a room in their house and I'm good. All right. Uh, Sarah, who's your dream celebrity Airbnb host? Um, I would want to hang out with somebody sort of funny and personable. So probably a comedian. Ooh. I'm a really big fan of the show Taskmaster. Probably <gasps> some listener. You Do you watch Taskmaster, David? I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed. How have we not talked about all 16 seasons of I Taskmaster on know. the BBC? Wait, oh my really God, quick, have yes, you watched? Really quick, what is Taskmaster? It is a... Game show, not really, from the UK, where a panel with celebrity of five, comedians, with like five comedians who maybe you don't know when the show starts, but then they compete tasks that are like sometimes really silly or seem simple. Sometimes they're creative. Sometimes they're problem solving. And it's like ten episodes. You grow to like love and root for these people, and it's very funny. Layla, you, you're welcome because also there's David Taskmaster America, New Zealand, welcome. oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, Taskmaster Australia. So you have like three weeks straight of shows to watch. Oh, amazing. So I guess then the answer is like Greg Davies and Alex Horn. Like that would be a party. Oh, little Alex yeah. Horn. Little Alex Deep Horn. Cut. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they have really big celebrities on there too, like Noel Fielding, I, who I think is a really big I think celebrity. So. Uh, Nick Mohammed because... is on the next episode, is on the next series. He's was uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, I love that. Yes. Um, David, who would be the celebrity Airbnb of your dreams? Uh, because I have met him and hung out with him one day, and I know that he would be the most gracious host and make the most fun experience, uh, would be Weird Al Yankovic. Ooh. Oh, I would yeah, want that'd be great. to go to his Airbnb and see what sort of fun shit he had in store. I, I would say if Pee Wee Herman was still alive, um, that would be a yeah. fun duo. They both uh, seem like really kind people. Yeah. But yeah, I got to hang out with Weird Al one day, long, long, long time ago for reasons uh, that aren't that interesting. Um, but but uh, yeah, Super Guy uh, would probably be a lot of fun. And I can't even imagine what swag he would leave you with. What, what Weird Al's sensual swag would look like. Uh, the mind swag. reels. Um, I have a surprise for you. Okay, what? so that is as big of a surprise as I'm making it out to be. But <laughs> I got on when the when it opened and I requested to book Christina Aguilera's Airbnb what? experience. Whoa. So I could have up to four guests. Okay, they say it's not a contest, but you have to request to book and put in your reason that you want to book, and then they let you know what, if you're what allowed was your to reason, book. Sarah? I told, I said that I'm a huge Christina fan, which is mostly true, but that, that the interior looks like the inside of a genie's bottle. Genius. So, Well, here's hoping, but you know what? If if I get requested to book, you all are invited. Thank you. Nice. Or as Andrew Crawley would say, genie us. <laughs> hey, y'all. Thanks so much. Another great week in review. Sarah, Layla, we'll see you on the podcast. Yeah, and I'll see you next weekend at Christina Aguilera's place. Amazing. Thanks, y'all. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our producers this week were Sonia Cho Swanson, Layla Muhammad, and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Rob Catchell-Reese, and our hosts are Sarah Lohman and me, David Figler. Music is by OG Moose, Epidemic Sound, and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuuvi, the Southern Paiute people. 
If you enjoyed the show, hey, go tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, head over to lasvegasweekly.com and vote for us for best podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Till then, stay lucky. High Desert State Prison. I don't know mm-hmm. why I said station. I think that was a it's okay. typo. It's also a station casino. They're opening up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. If they could, they would. Yes.